Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. And so I was just kind of thinking about things and joy kept rising up in my heart. So I spent time in the book of Philippians, which is really the book that talks about joy. And we'll, we'll study that. In fact, the whole series, four weeks, the month of June, there's four books, I'm sorry, four chapters in the book of Philippians, which the theme in that is joy. And so I didn't know what would be coming up. And I love how God always prepares if we're listening. Nothing takes him by surprise. And he already always prepares you if you be sensitive to his leading guiding. So I know this was God's perfect timing for this. We just have experienced some things. Uh, many people that we know had been affected uh, by the flood and the dynamics of recovery and restoration and disappointment and loss. And just here at Tree of Life, we have experienced in the last three weeks uh, four home goings. And so uh, that's kind of a, a large number at a short period of time. And, and God God is always preparing us if we'll be sensitive for every circumstance in life ahead of time. I'm so thankful that I've been spending time in this book and because I've had to sit down with uh, four wonderful families and help them process through loss and all the questions that come with that. Um, it's really questions that we have for the changing circumstances of our life, some seemingly uh, a bit more tragic or difficult than others, but nonetheless, it is, a, it is a biblical principle, a concept that we need to learn about joy and where it comes from and how do we keep that and what really determines that in our life. And this is a fantastic book written by the Apostle Paul that helps us understand some of those things concerning joy. So that's my heart and my hope during this series is we'll look and find some principles that will help us navigate through the difficult days of life because we all have bad days. Now, the book of Philippians, as I said, was written by the Apostle Paul, great writer. He writes a lot of the, the things that we study, the epistles we call them. Some are personal letters to people like pastors like Timothy. Some are letters to churches like Philippians, the church in Philippi. And he addresses things that are important for our life. We take those things and apply them to our life and they help us. But the, the, the church in Philippi was one of his favorites. And it's funny to say it that way, but it was one of his first that he planted. In fact, it was the first one he planted in Europe. And he spent a lot of time in Philippi just being there. In fact, some of the things that we see at his time in Philippi, he even spent some time in jail there. And it's the story where it talks about Paul and Silas, if you know the story, and maybe you're not familiar with it, but he was in the jail, a prison in Philippi, where he and Silas had got thrown in the prison for preaching the gospel, and they just decided to just pray and worship the Lord, and in the middle of that, an angel came and opened the gates of the prison, and they were free. And so he has a real heart for the church here in Philippi, and he's addressing uh, some things with this letter to this church to help them. And he writes this letter 10 years after the church is planted. And so they've, they've come to a place, they're reaching some difficulties, some challenges. So Paul responds with a letter, and obviously there are things that they needed to hear about joy. In fact, when you study the book, you'll see joy or rejoice or things like that probably over 16 or so times, again, helping us understand the uh, theme of the book. And so understand where he's writing this from. Here's the irony of it all. He's in prison again. And he's writing a book on joy. And that should tell you something right there. The guy knows something. And so we need to find out what that is. And so he's writing from a Roman jail, which was just horrible. It was a hole, a pit in the ground, cold, dark, chained to a guard, and just terrible circumstances. And of all things, he writes a book on joy. Let's take a look at that. Philippians 1, verse 3. Here's how it starts. I thank my God every time I remember you. He's opening his letter to this church on joy in the middle of a prison, and here's his opening line. I thank my God every time I remember you. Thank your God. What are you talking about? I'm, I don't think that would be my opening line. Can I just be honest with you? I'd be writing, get me out of here, all right? Make me one of those little cakes that has a file in it, something. Just help come see me. 
but he's not that. He's not open in that way. He's, he says, I thank God every time I remember you. And, and that's really what this series is all about. Even in the midst of our difficult days, our hard days, our bad days, that we're able to come to a place that we're thanking God for things and who he is in our life and what he's done. And, and I think in this series that we'll see some things that will help us do that because let's understand we all have bad days, but Paul is talking here about we can have joy when we go through bad days and we all have bad days. Bad days are inevitable. You've just maybe have come out of a bad day. You might be in the middle of a bad day. If you're not, there'll be a bad day coming. I mean, you're gonna have a bad day. And someone would say, that's not being very positive. Why don't you be positive, Pastor Don? And I'd say, okay, I am absolutely positive you'll have a bad day if you're not already in one. It's just the life that we live. It's the truth, it's the life, it's the fallen world that we live in. And that's why this book is so important to you and I. But really most of us don't go through bad days very well. And I think it's just we need to learn some things in the scripture that helps us do that. We're, we're so moved by the circumstances and by our emotions and, uh, and by things beyond our control and choices that it's hard for us sometimes to find out how to navigate through those and find the joy in the midst of tough times. And, and so I wanna start by saying this, I want you to hear me in this. God does not give you bad days. I'm gonna say it again. God does not give you bad days. You know how I know that? That cross right there and all the the bad day Jesus had was so God wouldn't have to give you any, didn't need to give you any. Jesus dealt with all of it, amen? But God does not give you bad days. He doesn't. And you can agree or not agree and that's okay. but I'm confident God does not give you bad days. But in the middle of them, he has something for you that will help change your life. So let's keep going. He sucks here. I thank God every time I think of you. In my, all my prayers for you, I always pray with, what's that last word? I'm in prison and I'm praying with joy for you. He goes on to say this. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident, say confident. Paul, in the midst of an extremely bad day, is confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, until the day Jesus returns. He's confident that no matter good day or bad day, what you're going through in the midst of his bad day, he's confident in who he knows God is that you will be able to find a way out if you choose to, if you so choose to, until Jesus returns. He's like, whatever you're facing in life, until Jesus comes back, I'm confident that God has a way to get you out of your current situation or make good from bad. And so he's in the midst of probably one of the most difficult times of his life, and he's writing this in absolute confidence. What brings that about? How do you you get to that place? In other words, Paul's saying to this church, the visions and dreams that we had when we first started this church, the things we started 10 years ago, he's saying, I'm confident, no matter what it looks like right now, I'm confident those things will still happen, those things will come true. And remember that right now, this is from a guy where none of his dreams are happening right now. I mean, he did not, just in, in case you didn't know, he did not dream to be in prison one day. I mean, that wasn't one of his dreams or vision. It wasn't one of his goals. I'm gonna serve Jesus so I can go to prison one day. That, that's not what he was wanting to do. You know what his dream was at this time? His dream was at this time to preach in Rome. He dreamed about standing in front of huge crowds and sharing the gospel, the life-changing message of the gospel. That was his dream, and it was not coming through, but yet he was confident that he was gonna, who begun a good work will complete it. So what we'll learn from Paul is, how to have something better, and let me say it this way, because this is really the issue, than happiness. Because what we're gonna talk about really in, in setting up our series is the difference between happiness and joy, and we mistake the two. And joy is a little bit more difficult, it's more elusive, 
That's why we don't always find ourselves there, so we settle into happiness and think that's as good as it gets, and let me tell you, it's not. There's a whole nother level that's not dependent upon happiness or circumstances around about you. It's depending on Jesus Christ and what he did and who he is in your life. And that's where our joy comes from. And Paul says there's something greater than what most of us pursue, and that's happiness. And that would even be true in our country. I mean, we're in the greatest country on the planet, no matter what people say, no matter what it looks like. And even in our founding father's document says we can have the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the American dream. But life isn't always blue skies, baseball, and apple pie. And you know you can't have apple pie without bluebell, and you know right now you can't have bluebell, so, <laughs> right? Find the joy in that. I can't yet, I don't know, I'm hoping. But <laughs> there's something more than happiness, and we can't just settle or focus on happiness. There's a joy that is beyond that. There's something greater than, and it's joy. And, and, and again, it's a bit more elusive. Let's learn a little bit about it. Let me talk about some differences between joy and happiness. Happiness is external. Happiness is external. You're happy when things on the outside are great. Today is sunny, we're happy. A couple weekends ago, it was rainy, we were gloomy or sad. Things around about us happening, the things we hope they would work out this way or not work out this way. I hope I have a good day. I will if these things are in order. I won't if they're not. If this ha- happiness is completely external. Joy is internal. It's different. It's not determined by what happens around about us. It's not based on the condition or circumstances around about you, which means joy is possible even on your worst day. You don't know the days I've had. I've sat down with some people that have had some, I don't know, there could be a worse day. But I know based on who God is and what he's done and what he says that there is still in some way, somehow joy that can be experienced in the joy of the Lord. Hey, if anybody can say this, it's Paul. Let's just be honest. Paul is qualified to write this letter if there's anybody qualified to write it and understand his life. He had a rough life. And if you take a look, and you can read it later, but go to second, read later 2 Corinthians 11. Don't go there now, but you can read it another time. And he lists all the things he's been challenged with in life. In fact, he talks about being, uh, being in prison frequently, flogged severely. Understand that five times he received 39 lashes. You know where else we, we see in the Bible 39 lashes were given? 39 lashes were given to Jesus and it almost took his life. Five times, Paul received 39 lashes. That's pretty amazing. And then we see three times uh, he's been beaten with rods on his legs and around his ribs and his back. We see one time he was stoned. And for some to say, finally, he got some relief. <laughs> and if you're living in Colorado. But anyway, so it's not that. It's, he was beaten with rocks and relentlessly. You know, I did that first service and they had the same response and I shouldn't have done it this one either. I'll learn one day. But he was beaten with rocks, and three times he was shipwrecked. Now think about that one, because that one may just freak me out the most, because he was in the Mediterranean Sea. One passage says he was there a day and a night. So about 36 hours, can you imagine floating around in the Mediterranean Sea where it's cold? If you've watched Shark Week, you know what I'm talking about. I just wouldn't be walking on water to get out of that. He crossed to shore, freezing, builds a fire. In the wood that he gathers to build a fire, a snake comes out and bites him. The guy cannot buy a break. But yet in all this, he's talking about the joy that God can bring to life until the day that Jesus returns. So he says this in 2 Corinthians 4. Go ahead and turn there for me. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Paul uniquely qualified to speak on this topic. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Outwardly, our world is terrible. Outwardly, my body is dying. I'm not getting any younger. 
Outwardly, my marriage may be on the rocks. Outwardly, my kids may be bad. Outwardly, my job may be bad. Outwardly, my finances are, are in a bad shape. The economy's bad. The weather's bad. He's saying outwardly, all these things may be in terrible shape, yet inwardly, We are being renewed day by day. No matter what it looks like outwardly, if you'll focus and learn the inward part of this, you can still have a good day in the midst of bad circumstances. And that's what we want. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. He says, your outward is what the problem is. And he says, don't let your outward determine your inward. If you let your outward determine your inward, then you're in trouble. But that's how most of us live, from the outside in. And Paul's saying the secret is learning to live from the inside out. And he goes on to say this, for our light and momentary troubles, listen to him say, our light and momentary troubles. Are you kidding? We just read something that said they were heavy and long. (laughs) Not momentary or light at all. Achieve for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He says uh, that the joy outweighs happiness. There's something better, internal, outweighs external, that where our focus has to be. And and listen to this last scripture here in this passage that we're gonna read. So here's what we do, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, our outward circumstances that change constantly, a lot of which we have no control over, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I don't know what you think about what is seen as temporary, but the Bible says that life on this planet is but a vapor. In the 70, 80, 90, 17, seven weeks, 21 years old, 28 years old, the the home goings we did this last month, it's temporary, it's but a vapor, but eternity's forever. And he says that the outward things that are seen, they're only gonna last for a time. But remember, if nothing else, one day we're gonna live with Jesus forever for all eternity. The unseen's where our focus needs to come. We need to live out of the unseen. We need to live out of the inward part of us. He's talking about the internal outweighs the external. And the external circumstances are are short, but what's unseen is eternal. So understand that. Understand that happiness is based on circumstances. Happiness is based on circumstances. Hap in the word happiness, the first part of that word, hap is is Latin for circumstance. Hap in happiness is Latin for circumstance. Let me define the word circumstance. Circum means about or around or a circle. And stance means the place or position where you're standing, your stance. So understand, happiness really means the place that you're standing in the middle of your circumstances, or the things that are happening around about you, rather. It's, it's where you're standing, where you position yourself, where you sit down, where you lie down, where you build a home and live in the middle of things that are around about you. Internal is not dependent on that. Internal says get up from where you are and change where you've decided to stand. Change your stance. Get surrounded by some other circumstances, not circumstances, other things that are around about you. And so understand that that word itself really tells us that we can change the position that we're in. Don't let what's happening around you determine where your stance is or where you stand. Don't let it determine where you're standing. Move, make a decision, do something different. See, joy offers something else, something more. Joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on your relationship with Christ, who he is and what he's done. Philippians 4.11, let's jump ahead in Philippians. 
says this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned, he's saying I've learned this, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He said, I've learned some things. He's learned that happiness happens by chance. Really, it's not up, it's, really, it's not up to you. You don't control most of it. I mean, it's like, I don't know what's gonna happen this day, but let's go. It's just whatever happens, happens. It's by chance. I hope it's good. I hope it's not bad. I hope today's my lucky day. I hope today's a good day. And, and happiness happens by chance. Like there's this rolling of the dice and, and then we're determining our, our, our joy based on that or what's going on the inside of us or things going your way. I have a meeting today. I hope it goes my way. I, I gotta go do this today. I, I hope everything comes out okay. I, if I'm lucky, it's gonna work out the way that I hope or the way I think. Happiness happens by chance. But joy happens by choice. Joy happens by choice. It's up to you. You choose. You make a choice in each situation. And you have to be careful in not letting things you can't control control you. But you make a choice. Now I understand. Now here's something I understand. Immediately things beyond your control happen and how you respond is how you respond. And sometimes may take, some things may take us a little longer to respond in an appropriate way. That's why we need the support of family and friends, amen? That's why we need to get involved in church because listen, we have bad days and some of those days are so bad that we need someone to help us not stay where we are and help us see that we can make a different choice. And I'm thankful in the midst of the challenging things that we face with some families that there's some things that I've not experienced in life, but I'm thankful there's some people in this church that have heard about it and have already experienced, processed it in a healthy way, and they've offered help. Because listen, when you're in a difficult place, sometimes you don't want to talk to anybody unless they've been in your shoes. You know what I'm talking about? But can I say that within this room right now, we probably have just about anything that we can cover, covered by you and being in those shoes. And so our initial response may be something that we're, we're stuck in the circumstances. That's why we need somebody else to come and help us make a better choice, help us see a better choice. But ultimately, we choose. Joy happens by choice. Don't let things you can't control control you. See, too many times we live that way. What hap- that's what happens, and that's, and understand, we live that way too many times. That's why there's a book written on joy. And Philippians to help us understand that, help us get to that place. So don't be at the mercy of things you can't control. There is another way. But listen, we need to understand the reality is we live in a cursed world. When all these things happen, I don't know, but I know that we live in a cursed, fallen world. Well, do you have a, something more specific than that? No. <laughs> the world is fallen and it is cursed. We live in bodies that are wasting away every day. There's disease, war, disaster, murder, hatred, tragedy. It is all around us. It is. But Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this, there is a choice to be made. This day I call heavens and earth as witness against you that I have set before you, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, now choose life. Now how many guys know that it would have been great when I was in school for my teacher to stand in front of us and give me a test where I had two choices and give me the right choice to take anyways? Can I just say, I probably would have been valedictorian. I mean, I I would be smart enough to choose what they said to choose. And so God says that there's difficulties in life for sure, good days, bad days, life and death, but choose. You make a choice in every situation, every circumstance, every bad day, every good day to choose life. Make a choice. It's available for you. Philippians 1.9. Let's get back to our story. Philippians 1.9. Start reading there. 
And this is my prayer. Now Paul's telling him, he's praying this over you. I'd pray this over here, pray this over us. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. So Paul's saying, listen, you need to learn this. Church, we need to learn this. We need to have greater knowledge of how this works than we currently have so we can make better choices. He's talking about learning. And isn't our goal in life to be discipled, to grow more and grow more? I should handle the next bad day better than I handled my past bad day. I mean, that, that should be my goal. I, I wanna work, I wanna be discipled. I wanna come Wednesday night and to study under the book of Ephesians because I'm gonna need some of the truths in that book and I wanna handle life better based on that information than I currently do right now. He says, I want you to grow in knowledge. And he also says here, and I want you to grow in the depth of insight. What's he addressing? He's addressing the internal part of you. I want you to mature. He's saying, I want you to mature. I want you to grow and mature. Why? So you can handle difficulties better. And it goes on to say this, so that you may be able to discern in the midst of a bad day what is best. Make a better choice and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You need to grow in knowledge and you need to grow and mature spiritually so that we can make better choices every time we come against a bad day. So we need to discern because there, understand this, I'm not speaking this over you, but understand this, we need to grow because there is another bad day coming. Why? We live in a fallen, cursed world. And so, but we can grow and grow and overcome those things. So Paul begins to share some things with us and how to have joy. He gives us three things. Let me give you those three things that we'll study out in this passage. Number one, stop asking why. And I don't mean that ugly or hard, and I mean that with all the love I can say. We just, got, we just need to stop asking why. There's just some, sometimes no answers. And I, and I realize that. I realize that through my own personal experiences and dealing with families. And I don't know how many times in these past three weeks I've sat down and I said, I just, I don't know. And they're asking great questions. In fact, I have those same questions and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why. And I'm okay with saying that. The worst would be make up something. I don't know why. Or to say something that's not true for the sake of bringing comfort. I don't know why. I don't know. See, sometimes in life there just aren't any answers. And the Bible says the secret things belong to God. And if he chooses to reveal to you, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And there are no answers to some things. As long as you stay in your whys, you'll never find your solution. Let me say this, you can die in your why. You can die in your why. Because for you, if joy is related to you having an answer, you'll miss out on joy. There's just some things in life there are no answers to, and that's just the way it is. Happiness, I think, is dependent upon our whys, but joy is not, so don't get stuck. Honestly, there's not a whole lot of answers to the why. The truth is we live in a fallen world and there'll be bad days. John 16, says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You realize that God never promised you that you won't have bad days? In fact, he promised you that you would have bad days. Great, thank you, all right. But that's the truth. He says, you'll have bad days, but you know what he promises? He promises that in the middle of your bad day that he will help you rise and overcome it. He says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Oh yeah, I promise you, you'll experience bad days. That's just life, a fallen world. But I also promise you because of Jesus overcoming that you can rise above those bad days. You still won't have any answers to some of those things, but you'll find that joy that Paul speaks about that will help you even in not knowing an answer, you can rise above that and find joy that only God can bring. He promises that he can help you overcome or you'll, you can overcome that because he came on a rescue mission 
He promised while you're in your trouble, he'll help you rise above your trouble. Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He says, I want you to know that I'm in the middle of a bad day. It's bad here. And in case you don't know, I was in that little prison there in Philippi and we sang some songs and we danced around a little bit and all of a sudden the chains fell off and angels threw the door. I don't see that happening here. I'm chained to guys. This is a worse place. It's colder, darker. I'm in a bad place. I'm chained to a jailer. I'm in the dark, cold underground and he smells. And it's just a bad day all around. What he was saying is despite what has happened to him, listen, his situation is being used to advance the gospel. Situation wasn't created per se, per se to, situations aren't created per se in those tragic moments to advance something, but in the midst of those tragic moments, advancement can come because of who God is. And he's saying, in the midst of this moment, I'm advancing the gospel. In the midst of my bad day, I'm advancing the gospel. You know, you know I've asked a whole bunch of whys myself these last few weeks. And it made me think about the whys in my own life and back to my own experiences, my father passing away at 49. Like, why? I mean, he, laid, he came down off the stage and laid hands on 20 people that needed healing, and several of them instantly received their healing, and an hour later, he was in heaven. I'm like, why? I, I don't, I never, I don't, still today, I'd like to say almost 19 years later, I have an answer. I'm not any closer to an answer than I ever was. But I tell you what, I'm, more, I'm closer to experiencing more joy in my life when I think of those things than laying down in, in the midst of that circumstance and letting that determine my joy in life. Here's what I know that one day we'll be in heaven and we'll get all the answers they want. In fact, I thought, I'm gonna look up on the chart, on the wall there, the itinerary, and see when the first Q&A is. And sit right on the front row. But I won't care then. The ultimate victory is heaven. The wise can be unanswered now in life. But I'm gonna trust in who he is. I'm gonna trust in who he is in my life. So be careful with the wise. You can die in your wise. So what do we do? Paul says this, number two, start asking what? Stop asking why and start asking what? And what I mean by that is, what can I hold on to in this? So we tend to focus on the things we don't understand and we don't know, but what about the things I do know? What about the things about God I do know? What can I hold on to in this? We start asking, what can I learn? I know that God, you're in the midst of my trial and you have something for me to learn in this. I can overcome and here we are. We find ourselves in this, a bad day, bad choice, things happen, but yet I wanna grow in this. I wanna grow from this. Start asking, how can I take this and help others? You know, sitting down with families, I don't want to keep using that illustration, but the reality is I hadn't experienced some of the things personally experienced, whether it was a spouse, a child, a brother. I experienced the loss of a father, and after the loss of my father, after I got out of that place uh, of losing my happiness and into that place of joy and being okay and leaving the wise to God, you know what? I minister to people during loss differently now, especially people that have lost a parent. And I said this earlier, there's people that have experienced things I've not experienced, but thank God they're part of the body. And so they can help others when they experience those. What can I do to learn from this God as I hold on to you and I know who you are so that I can overcome as you promised and that I can help others that find themselves in this situation because we're still in the same imperfect, fallen, cursed world. And we still will see things happen, unfortunately. And so we ask, what can I take from this to help other people? In the middle of it, you can find what God will do and how he'll use it. Listen, in this passage alone, because Paul's, pla- Paul's, plans did not, Paul's plans did not work out the way he thought. 
Paul thought he was going to go to Rome. I'm going to go to Rome. I'm going to preach. I'm going to hit the circuit. You know, I'm going to hit all the big churches, maybe the Colosseum, have a crusade. That was his plan. That's what he wanted to do. But had Paul's plans worked out, we might not have the book of Philippians. So he didn't get to preach and do all the things that he wanted, but we got the book of Philippians. Hey, he wrote a whole lot of books of the Bible in prison. You realize he wrote, a, he wrote a lot of books of the Bible in prison. A lot of things that we study and apply to our life and help us overcome and live victorious are out of books that he wrote while he was in prison. Paul, in the middle of his bad day, discovered the new opportunities. And every one of our bad days, there are new opportunities if you'll look for them in every one of them. And when you discover them, that's where you begin to pick up on the joy. Philippians 1, 13 through 14, listen what he says here. As a result of my bad day, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because I'm in here, in my bad day, every palace guard, the guy that I'm chained to, I'm preaching to him. The guy who brings me my food, I'm preaching to him. And even the guy that's coming to beat me, yes, I'm preaching to him. Not as much, you know, whatever happens, happens. But I'm preaching to everyone I come in contact with in here. He's like, everyone in the palace, the whole palace guard and everyone else knows that I'm in chains for Christ. I'm making the best of my bad day. I love that. And he goes on to say this. Listen to this part. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters, talking about believers now, because of my chains, because of my bad day, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident how I'm managing my bad day. Most of the believers have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Because Paul can take a bad day and not lose his joy. It's inspiring other believers to rise up in the things of God and take their place and not let the circumstances of life get them down. Amen? Man, a lot of stuff happening out of that bad day. A lot of good stuff. Taking situations and circumstances and finding God in them. God is always in the midst of our circumstances. You gotta find him. After all, he never leaves you or forsakes you. After all, he makes beauty from ashes. After all, he turns the oil of joy, uh, he turns the oil of joy for mourning. He turns what the enemy means for bad for good. It reminds me of a story, I've shared this before. It was back in years and years and years and years and years ago in Africa and there was an African king and, and he loved to hunt and he had a best friend that went with him everywhere. His best friend kind of like took care of him, looked after him. He went everywhere with this guy. And so he was out hunting and this guy prepped his gun, got his gun ready, put the gunpowder in it, put the shot in it, got it ready and the king was ready to use it, got his sights on an animal, pulled the trigger, it backfired or misfired and blew off his thumb, the king's thumb. The king was obviously very hurt, very upset, and looked at his friend, his best friend, who loaded the gun for him, and his best friend was such a positive guy, he always looked at the good, and he said this, that's good. And the king looked at him and, and was upset and frustrated, so he threw his best friend in prison. A year had passed, or later, more time had passed, and the king went on another hunting trip, and in this time, the hunting trip, they were captured by this group of cannibals, and these cannibals took them back to their village. And these cannibals, their superstitious tradition would be, they looked at the king before they killed him to get him ready to eat him. They looked at the king and they saw that he was missing a thumb and their superstition is, we can't eat anything that's not whole. And so they released the king. And so the king thought, wow, this is great. And he, and he, and he was so excited to, to be alive and he felt such great remorse for his friend. He went immediately back to the prison and he told his friend, I'm so sorry that you've been in here for over a year and released him, told him the story and released him. I'm so sorry you've been in here for a year. And his friend looked at him and said, that's good. 
And the king said, how can you say that being in prison all this time was good? And his friend looked at him and said, because if I wasn't in prison, I'd be hunting with you. I give that two thumbs up. Two. That one went over well first service too. I need to get on my sounding board. All right. But we all can find God. We want to grow. We need to grow. And for you and I to find God in the middle of these things, we have to grow in our knowledge and with insight. It has to mature us. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And we know, Paul says, I'm confident in all things we can find God. In all things, God is in there in some way, shape, or form. And I know the hurt and sorrow and sadness that some of us feel in the midst of some of our circumstances, but you have to know, because God loves you so much, he'll be in the middle with you. I know it because I've been in a few places in my life that way. I've been in a few places and situations wondering where God was. I've been rescued so many times in so many ways. I've been where, where I've been in a bad situation and, and God's turned it around for good. I, I've been where I've thought, I've been forsaken and God's forgot about me only to find out that he was there all along. I've walked it out of my life. I've walked it out with other people here. But I don't have any answers as to why, but I have confidence in looking for the what. And Romans 8, 28 says, and all things God can turn around for good. And I have confidence in that. So then Paul takes us to the last principle. Number one, I'm going to stop asking why. Number two, I'm going to start asking what. And I've got to change what I'm looking at. So number three, refocus on what really matters. Let's answer the question, what really matters? A lot of things matter to us, but what really matters? Really, in light of eternity, there are only a few things that really matter in light of eternity. And Paul says, if you really want to know how to overcome a bad day, you need to refocus. Put your eyes on what really matters. In Philippi, where Paul planted the church 10 years earlier, during this time, this 10-year span, other churches popped up. People probably left that church and started other churches. Other churches popped up. There, some had bad motives, guys that just wanted to be recognized for something or for personal gain. Some were legit, genuine concern to help preach the gospel. And so in the midst of all this, people started writing Paul letters, not so nice letters, and trying to stir him up a little bit and just gripe about stuff or accuse him of stuff or whatever it is. And so he's in this prison, he's getting all these letters. And, and because Paul didn't have Facebook, people sent letters to him to stir him up and get him upset. But Paul refused to unfriend him, unfollow, or even block them. But look, look at what Paul says in Philippians 1.15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of goodwill. The latters do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Listen to this next one. But what does it really matter? Say that with me. What does it matter? Let's say it again. What does it matter? Or let's just translate it to my term. Who cares? Who cares? And Paul's saying, what does it really matter in the scope of eternity? Who cares what they're saying? Who cares what their motive is? Who cares? Who are you saying that? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true motives, Christ is preached. 
And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. You're not gonna get me mad. You're not gonna get me down. Whatever their motives are, I'm gonna leave that between them and God. But if Christ is being preached, hey, praise the Lord. I'm gonna celebrate and rejoice at that. Who cares? What does it really matter? I really think that we get caught up in stuff that just doesn't really matter. We lose our joy. Stay focused. Refocus on the things that really matter. I love that. Don't let it bother you. Don't let it distract you. Paul says, I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to rejoice. You're not going to get me down. I'm just glad Christ is being preached. He has the right attitude. What does it matter? Does it really matter? And the whole scope of life for eternity. At the end of the day, few things really do matter. Now understand, bad days followed Paul wherever he went. And he just decided to have a different attitude. Paul, and here's what I think. Paul, when Paul would get out of prison, like let's say if he get out of prison, He says, we're just going to arrest you again. You'll be back in here. You've already been in three times. (laughs) And think of Paul's attitude based on this chapter. Well, great, that'd be great because I really have some more books to write. I got some more letters to write. I didn't really finish. I'm about halfway through Colossians. What does it really matter? I'll just write some more books. And maybe out of this, because we know shortly after Paul's executed, it doesn't matter, you wouldn't be out long because we're going to execute you. We're going to kill you, take your life. And I can imagine Paul might turn around and respond, would you really? That'd be great, because I have this dilemma, to die is gain, to live is Christ, to die, what? I don't know if I should live, should I die? I'm not really sure about this, but let's finish out this first chapter, 21, verse 21 through 23. For me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, yet what shall I choose? I don't know. Help me out. If you cut my head off, you're really helping me there, because I just, I can't pick the restaurant to go eat at. You choose, right? I mean, help me out there. He goes on to say this, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, which is better by far. I love that. Help me with my dilemma, will you? That's probably what Paul, that, that attitude there, Why? Because his joy was internal. It was based on Christ. So what do you do to a person with that attitude? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. There is no circumstance that can change that. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Because I know Jesus, there's no way I can lose. There's no way you can lose if you know him. See, the earth is not my home anyways. This is not our home. We're passing through. We're pilgrims, aliens, strangers. If God does a miracle, praise God to him. All be the glory. Let me tell you, I had a, a lady tell me, she's probably here. I had a lady tell me the other, the other day, I don't know if it was a Sunday or Wednesday, but she came forward for prayer and she was deaf in one ear and she was applying for a job and that was a concern. And she had someone come up at the altar and pray for her. And then she went to get her physical or get tested by the doctor and her ear was completely healed. <laughs> praise the Lord. It's awesome. I mean, I mean, Tell you another one. Sunday night, my wife and I and Camry, we went to uh, eat at Wingstop. We just thought, let's just get some wings. We went to Wingstop. So I was walking out, the guy behind that was working back in the back came out from the kitchen and says, Do you go to Tree of Life? And I said, Yeah, I go there. I don't, you know, I'm gonna wait, see where they're going before I <laughs> see where they're going before I say if the pastor or not. It's like Yeah, I don't know that guy. He's yeah, he needs help. I don't know him, yeah, he needs help. He came he came out and I said, Yeah, I do. And and, and he said, Well, are you the, are you the pastor? I, I recognize you. And I said, Yeah. And I asked him his name, and I didn't recognize his name. And he said, well, you might know the name of my mom. And he said his mom's name. And he said, here's what I want you to know, that we had, she was diagnosed with bone cancer. And we had prayed for her, the church had prayed for her, and she went and got another report and completely healed, completely gone. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Amen. 
I don't know why her and not others. I don't know why, but I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate when people get healed, and I'm going to celebrate when people go home to heaven because that's our ultimate victory. I'm not going to let the circumstance of life steal my joy. I don't even know that guy. We don't even know. It's not, if it's not healing a miraculous, then it's to heaven to be with Jesus. Where's the bad? 2 Timothy 4.18, last scripture. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory and honor forever. So which is it? Is he going to rescue me? Or am I going to go to heaven? Is he going to come take me to heaven? Is he going to rescue me or is he going to come take me to heaven? And my answer to that is yes. Yes. Is he going to rescue me or take me to heaven? Yes, absolutely yes. It's a win-win for a believer. It's a win-win for those who know who they are in Christ. It's a win-win to have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, he might rescue you. Yeah, you might end up in heaven. It's a win-win. Paul's saying, where's the down to either side? So why let the circumstances of this life determine our joy? It is based in who Jesus is and who he is in our life. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. When you know Christ, you're in a win-win situation. That's why no devil in hell can rob me of my joy. I celebrate when he heals and I celebrate home goings. Amen, everybody? Amen, that's joy, amen? That's joy, let's all stand. Joy no matter what. Joy no matter what. Really looking forward to this series. Make sure you come out and bring somebody. We need to learn knowledge and make sure we have that grow in our spirit, man, so we have that discernment. But I know this, God is a good God and a faithful God. And I don't have all the answers. I'm gonna leave the wise to him. I'm gonna trust him for who he says he is and what he's provided for me. And what he's done for me is lay down his life. Why should I not trust him? Why should I not believe him? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.